With the world becoming increasingly unpredictable when it comes to your family's health, proactivity is key. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit contains eight essential medications like ivermectin, amoxicillin, and z Rest easy knowing that their chief medical team, including Dr. Peter McCullough, stand behind every kit. Visit twc.health slash Prager. Use the promo code Prager for an exclusive 10% discount. Don't take chances. Secure your family's health today with The Wellness Company. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Hello, everybody. Dennis Prager here. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. Since it's Hanukkah right now and Christmas is coming up, I said Hanukkah first because we're in it right now. I try to think things through. Hello, my friends. Right before we went on, I said to my producer... The world is going mad. If this doesn't provide you one of the infinite, well, not infinite, but highly large, finite number, presumably, of examples, nothing will. Seattle student, this is from Seattle Station, KTTH, Seattle student failed quiz for saying men can't get pregnant. Jason Rance is the author of the piece. An activist history teacher failed a Seattle student on a quiz for saying only women can get pregnant and that only men have penises. A 10th grade ethnic studies world history teacher. Ethnic studies. Who made the point if whenever there's the word studies... It's a bad sign. (laughs) So accurate. What happened to world history? Why is there ethnic studies world history? Because the left is screwing civilization with its division by ethnicity, race, nationality, and, of course class. The old Marxist division of humanity was by class. The current is by race. So in that sense, the left has moved toward the the racism of Germany in the 1930s and 40s. A 10th grade ethnic studies world history teacher at Chief Seelth International High School. Is it named after an indigenous chief? Is that as I assume? So, you got ethnic studies. You got. I wonder what the school was named prior, about ten years ago. In Seattle, gave students a quiz titled "Understanding Gender versus Sex." This is how they get by. 
They've made this whole thing up. You understand that? This is completely made up of whole cloth. <laughs> Gender versus sex. The quiz provided a series of statements to label true or false, or questions with multiple choices. Many of the questions focused on personal pronoun use. When someone uses they, them pronouns, what does that mean about their gender identity? Do you know the answer? I know the right answer for the teacher. It, it, the right answer is, it's, it says nothing. It says they have no gender identity. They're non-binary. I'd have got, if I lied, and that's what students are taught to do is lie for a good grade. If I lied, I'd probably get an A. 100% correct. I know I know the sickness that they are fo- foisting on young people. Or assumptions one may make around gender identity. True, false, transgender people are gay. Well, I think that, that, that one is to trap them. Yeah, of course, the answer is some are and some aren't. So the of course so if you have only a binary choice of true false it's false. The whole world is is a concoction. Two questions, however, are objectively false, and students are taught the opposite. Question four was a true or false question with the statement, "All men have penises." The student labeled the statement true, since it is in fact true. Now, by the way, you'll say, well, aren't there people with ambiguous genitalia? It, it, it's, it's irrelevant to the question. It's, it's akin to saying all humans are born with two arms. There are people who are born without an arm, presumably. But it is nevertheless true human beings are born with two arms, or better, uh, five fingers. And yet there are people born, I believe, with six, or some aberration thereof. Similarly, question seven was a true or false question with the statement, Only women can get pregnant. Again, the student marked the statement true, because only women can get pregnant. Again, the teacher penalized the student, insisting the answer is false. The teacher believes men can get pregnant. The student's mother wrote to the Jason Trance show on KTTH, expressing frustration and anger. She says she expressed concerns to the school, but was met with silence. I kept trying to wrap my head around how it is legal to teach inaccurate information and force students to answer against their beliefs or receive negative scores. She said to the Jason Rance show, she asked for anonymity for fear her son would face retribution. The mom told the show that she worries about the school routinely allowing teachers to bring political beliefs into the classroom. This is, after all, Seattle, and it's a school with ethnic studies. The gender identity issue is just one example. She also said 
Her child, who is white, routinely faces scrutiny for his skin color and so-called privilege. She said various teachers have called her son, I can't believe it, effed and racist, a product of the patriarchy that teaches young boys not to care about anything and that he shouldn't use the term straight to identify because it's offensive. Straight is now offensive? Because straight is... is, So what what do you say, non-gay? If you're not... not, No, no, cisgender means you identify with your biological sex. I told you I would score 100 on this exam. Cisgender has nothing to do with straight. So what, what is the... What is the term now if if you're not gay? Loser? Pathetic? Why do people keep their children in such schools? I'm thinking about an answer, and I... uh, That's the reason for the silence. I was trying to come up with an answer. Now, your answer, Sean's answer, they can't afford private school, does not, uh, I'll tell you the reason it's irrelevant. Private schools are the same. What do you think the teaching in private schools, that men, men can't get pregnant? The only alternative is either uh, a, a religious school, or and by the way, a religious school that hasn't gone woke, which is not common. All right, so that's one answer. The other answer is homeschooling. The rate of homeschooling is, uh, the rate rate of increase is the highest in American history, but it's not nearly high enough. Why would you send your child to a school that says you are wrong on an exam if you say men cannot get pregnant? Those who say they can't are lying. They're lying. I mean, if that is not a lie, lies don't exist. If men get pregnant is not a lie, there is no such thing as a lie. Then all statements are dependent upon popularity in their time. That's it. Seattle Public Schools, through a spokesperson defended the quiz as inclusive, arguing it was appropriate for an ethnic studies course. So you see, when I say truth is not a left-wing value, I'm not being, I'm not on the attack. That's the truth. They don't ask, is it true? They ask, is it inclusive? There are many good reasons to buy gold and silver, bank failures, digital currency, volatility, emerging market countries trying to topple the dollar as a global reserve currency. This is Dennis Prager for AmFed, Coin and Bullion, my choice for precious metals. If you ask my friend and AmFed owner Nick Grovich to simplify the case for precious metals, he'll tell you when President Roosevelt recalled the gold in circulation and paid people with paper money, they received a $20 bill for a $20 gold piece. Today, the $20 bill won't even fill half of your gas tank. But the gold piece 
is worth about $2,000, which would you rather own? So let's simplify the reasons to use Amfed coin and bullion. Nick's been in this industry over 42 years, and he's proud of providing transparency and fair pricing to build trusted relationships. If you're interested in buying or selling, call Nick and his team at Amfed coin and bullion, 800-221-7694, AmericanFederal.com, AmericanFederal.com. Well, we have a great clip, by the way. Take well, a look at your sheet on, on the same. On the same subject, we have a clip. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, not from the elementary school teacher in yeah. Glencoe District. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's hear that. Has where, 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 this is Illinois, yeah. right? Okay, yeah. Sean, you have that clip. Well, teachers make your classroom LGBTQ plus inclusive from the very first day. This is tip number eight. So go back to my profile for other tips. I talked about assessing your language in another tip, but this one's all about like classroom practice. Are you lining up your students into boy and girl lines? And remember when you do that, if a kid doesn't particularly identify strongly with either of those, it makes them have to kind of choose something that isn't true to them. So find other ways to line up or group your kids. It could be by their student numbers. It could be by their birthday months. Get creative, have fun with it, and you don't need to always center gender in your classroom. Well, there might be a kid, I assume this is elementary school. Yeah, yeah. So there might be an eight-year-old who doesn't think he or she is a boy or a girl. So you will destroy the boy-girl nature-given and God-given distinction for this one extremely confused child. And of course, all these people think they're doing wonderful work. I told you the conscience is largely useless. These people, this guy, he is so certain he's doing good that it strikes him and the rest of the left as bizarre that we think they're destroying Western civilization the, the greatest civilization ever made, that they are ruining children's lives by instilling confusion in them about the most basic element of their life, whether they're a boy or a girl. They're ruining the world, they're ruining this country, they're ruining children, and they sleep well. So remember that the next time you think that the conscience is sufficient and we don't need any guiding text for morality, like the quaint thing called the Bible. As I have said many, many times, only secular people say men give birth. Not all secular people say it, but only secular people say it. Basically, the end of the Judeo-Christian value system has ended rational thought. That's the irony. You're brainwashed to believe that the religious are the irrational, and there are non-rational beliefs in religion. I fully acknowledge it, but they acknowledge it too, or or should. 
I, uh, I believe God split the sea to let the Israelites escape Egypt. I don't claim that that is fully rational. But I'm not affecting young people in a negative way. I'm not teaching them a lie. I'm teaching them a belief. If they say, if they would say, look, we believe as a matter of religious faith that there's no such thing as male or female, it's all subjective, well, that, that, they wouldn't say that. They say that's the objective truth. What was the George Washington University uh, medical school? Didn't you? Yeah. Oh, they came out for Hamas. Yeah. The George Washington University Medical School. Which leads me to a related subject. Just as only secular people say men give birth, well, let me ask you a question. If you knew someone said men give birth, that men and women can have penises and vaginas. We just don't know. It's a completely subjective call. Do you think you could predict their position on Hamas versus Israel? Of course you do. So there's something morally and, and scientifically sick about the left. It's a continuum. It is hard for me to imagine anyone who says men give birth and then will say, you know, Israel is really the victim here. You're really, uh, you've really got a perverse moral sense if you think Hamas is the moral equivalent of Israel or even better. You think somebody who says men give birth is likely to say that? They're so sick, there are groups called Queers for Israel. Excuse me, Queers, sorry, Queers for Palestine. Because as we know, Queers do much better under Islamic rule than under Israeli rule or under Jewish rule, much better. You can say anything and it becomes popular, anything. Men give birth and Hamas is right are, are equivalent lies. Equivalent. Distortions of the human condition. And usually, that's what is said by both. Once you have learned to say whatever you want to say and not ask, is it true, is it moral, then you'll say anything. UN demands an immediate ceasefire. Nobody has actually answered the question, what is Israel supposed to do? Please always remember the question I have posed for a long time. It's in my original video on the Middle East at PragerU. If Israel laid down its arms, what would happen the next day? If the Palestinians did, what would happen the next day? MyPillow is excited to bring you their biggest bedding sale ever, just in time for Christmas. Get the Giza Dream Bed Sheets for as low as $29.98. A set of pillowcases only $9.98. 
Rejuvenate your bed with a MyPillow mattress topper for as low as $99.99. They also have blankets in a variety of sizes, colors, and styles. They even have blankets for your pets. Get duvets, quilts, down comforters, body pillows, bolster pillows, and so much more. All with the biggest discounts ever. They are also extending their money-back guarantee for Christmas until March 1st, 2024, making them the perfect gifts for your friends, your family, and everyone you know. So go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code Prager or call 800-761-6302 and you'll get huge discounts on all MyPillow bedding products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets for as low as $29.98 and get all your shopping done now while quantities last. MyPillow.com, promo code Prager. Oh, there's no place like home for the holidays. I have a man I greatly admire, professor at Columbia University, on the line and on video, Philip Hamburger, and he has uh, done, he writes often for the Wall Street Journal, and he has made the latest PragerU video. Do we have uh, it ready to, to play? We'll play? I'll play you the first uh, minute or so. We're witnessing the biggest merger in history. Big government and big business are getting together to tell us what to do, what to say, and what to think. And the only way they can do it is to work around the Constitution. Sometimes this alignment is voluntary, sometimes not. Either way, it portends a profound change in the way we live, and not for the better. An early hint of this merger occurred in 2013. That's when the Obama administration implemented what it called Operation Choke Point. The idea was to choke off a type of business, payday lending, that the administration didn't like but couldn't get Congress to ban. Payday lenders make small, short-term loans at high interest rates. Their customers are usually in need of quick cash, for example, to pay a bill that's due before the next paycheck arrives. This is entirely legal. Nonetheless, the Obama administration pressured banks not to process credit card payments to these businesses or give them loans. Banks are heavily regulated and very susceptible to government pressure. All the government had to do was apply pressure to two banks, Four Oaks Bank in North Carolina and Commerce West in California. Soon, others took the hint and stopped doing business with payday lenders. State governments have taken a cue from the federal government. In 2018, New York State warned banks and insurance companies about reputational risk in doing business with the National Rifle Association, thereby denying it financial services. Recently, the federal government has been pressuring social media platforms to censor speech. All right, as we'll, we learn we'll hold from it the there. I mean, this, you, this is an example of we teach what should be taught, the motto of PragerU. The merger of big business and big government. Professor Hamburger is a professor of law at Columbia University. And uh, as hard as it is for me not to say professor the whole time, that's the way my parents raised me. I can't get it out of my brain. But I will call you Philip, and thank you for this video and all the work you do. Is Obama the original sin in this matter? Oh, no, uh, there's nothing personal about this. Uh, this is structural. Um, he was just one of many players, uh, in, perhaps not a particularly important player in this. Um, the underlying problem is that 
we now have business and government run by bureaucracies. Um, and these bureaucracies share tastes, interests. They talk well with one another. Uh, and the intrusion of regular politics or, or morals, religion, really seems to me in, seems to them an impediment to their plans for rational governance. Um, it's a natural alliance uh, amongst technocrats. So I think it's a structural problem. Now, of course, our government wasn't designed to be run that way. It's meant to be politically accountable through elected Congress. Um, but since we've hived off legislative power, even judicial power to agencies, um, the, the, there's a natural linkage between big government and big business. Um, not all business, really big businesses. So that that's the risk. It's a structural problem. Given the power of big government and the power of big business, it's, uh, it seems to me that there's not much left for liberty in a country if they emerge. Right. right. And, I, and I should emphasize, I'm, I'm not against business and not against big business, nor <laughs> not at all. And, and nor am I against substantial federal power. Government has to have power, considerable power, and the Constitution provides from that for that. The, the, the risk is that we're channeling government power through agencies, through unelected lawmakers, and that changes the complexion of government. Um, so I, I, I'm not an opponent of regulation. I'm not an opponent even of big government, but our government is subject to some limits on what it can do, and we've ignored those. And most importantly, it's subject to process limits. Uh, we should have laws made by Congress, elected by us, and cases adjudicated by the judiciary, which is unelected and quite independent of us. Um, and unfortunately, <laughs> we now have agencies exercising executive, uh, legislative, and judicial power all rolled into one. And that's that's really disturbing. Like the EPA? The EPA is one. That's right. Uh, it's a it's a well known example. We actually have hundreds of agencies, so I'm not even sure I could list them. If, if you if I had to be on an exam, I'd get in trouble. Even the government has difficulty keeping track of all the agencies. There's well, so many. All right. When we come back, I want to know: Can we just bring them to court? You have overstepped your bounds. Please watch the latest video at PragerU.com with Professor Philip Hamburger, Professor of Law at Columbia. Make the Yuletide There's a uh, video every week at PragerU. This week it's professor of law at Columbia University, Philip Hamburger. And it's titled Big Government and Big Business. So it pretty much tells you what it is about. It's a very scary melange, shall we say. So you were talking about the power of these agencies and so the bureaucracy is so gigantic it doesn't even need directives from the president that's what i'm inferring is your your point there and i and it seems totally accurate to me so i'm curious if an agency directs something isn't it obviously not constitutional since it's not a law but an agency directive? Oh, you're laughing because it's so obviously not constitutional. Go ahead. 
Well, uh, it, it, it is rather comic, tragic. We have a constitution that establishes quite remarkably a free government, a government in which we govern ourselves by electing our lawmakers. And we fought a civil war to establish, amongst other things, our right, the right to vote for all Americans, regardless of differences, right? That's the 15th Amendment. Uh, but at the very same time that the right to vote was being enshrined in the Constitution, the, some educated Americans were somewhat skeptical as to whether, whether everybody should be participating in government. So they decided to let everyone vote, but to take some of the legislative power and hive it off into agencies where it'd be controlled by people, well, you know, like themselves. Um, and, and that's been the administrative state. Um, well, so expl explain to me the, the, this payday, the opening example, where the government, uh, you, you, you said the Obama administration, I'm not, uh, I'm not focusing on Barack Obama either, but you know, you uh, agreed. I wish it were, then we wouldn't have our problems, but it's not just him. But nevertheless, it, it happened in his administration. Banks were told not to deal with payday loaners, correct? Yeah, and, and I should explain, there's a lot of moral disgust at payday lenders. Whether that's really justified, I, I'm somewhat skeptical. I actually had some students study them, and most of the people who go to payday lenders are not repeat players. They're going for you know, now. Right, emergency cash work. need. Right, and, and, and it's certainly better than going to the local loan shark who will break your legs if you don't pay. Um, now, so it's perfectly reasonable to think about regulating them. But if Congress doesn't do it, and if an agency doesn't have authority to issue administrative rules, can you do it in some sub-administrative way through little minor threats? Um, and of course, often the threats aren't even that explicit. You just have to give a little hint. Um, gee, you really want to be dealing with them? By the way, we're thinking of more inspections and site visits. And everyone understands what this means. <laughs> um, and then you back, the businesses back off because they can't afford to fight their regulator. So uh, it's, 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 I call it sub-administrative power. It's much worse than administrative power of the, of the formal sort. So is this, is the fear here that we will end up with the, what Justin Trudeau did in Canada when he told banks you can't give these uh, truckers who are on strike, you can't give them access to their own money? Uh, that is one version of this. I confess we've already gone much further than that, right? Really? Uh, we, well, we now have a system of federal censorship run through oh, the platform. Yeah, right. Well, there's a lot of shared, and this is ultimately where this this leads. We have we have shared interests in censorship amongst the private platforms and the government on many matters, um, but the government nonetheless is very involved. Uh, the threats are these 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 hints. Oh, really, it would be advisable for you to, to take care of the censorship, even where you don't really want to, because otherwise we might change the regulations. So that's the, those are the threats. Some of it's even done um, in more subtle ways. Uh, so, for example, the platforms can't successfully censor anyone unless they coordinate, right? So if I, in one platform, suppress opinion A... What happens if opinion A turns up on another platform? I might lose customers and I haven't censored anybody. So they need to coordinate. How do you do that? 
Well, you can't do it because of the antitrust laws. But that's where government comes in. Government can coordinate for you. So without even any threat, government can provide the coordination that's forbidden to private parties on their own. So there are a host of ways in which government is working with and pushing and helping private businesses to censor Americans, which the government could never do directly by itself. This is profoundly dangerous. Well, a final question then. I know there's no scientific answer to this, but your assumption. What percentage of Americans know what you just told me? Ah, perhaps half. Um, half a and, percent? And perhaps, no, no, I, I, I suspect about half Americans have a rough sense of it. Really? Not in, oh, oh, that's interesting. That, but, uh, not, uh-huh. but, not, but not in depth. They, they understand some of the threats. They don't understand the extent, because not, a lot of this is not reported in conventional newspapers. But they're going to learn about it, if I may just add a little bit about the remedy, through litigation, right? So uh, I established an organization called the New Civil Liberties Alliance. Um, It does what the ACLU was meant to do and has stopped doing. And we're we're fighting the censorship. We have the leading cases against censorship, including Murthy versus Missouri, which the Supreme Court will be deciding this year. And we also sue the administrative state for denying jury rights and for interfering with due process. When you think of the administrative threat in terms of civil liberties, in terms of our constitutional rights, there's a lot of reason for litigating, and litigation becomes very persuasive. So I think we have an opportunity to begin to... What is the name of your group? The New Civil Liberties Alliance. And can people just access it on the the, uh, internet? That's right. New Civil Liberties Alliance, and we're fighting for our constitutional freedoms, and we're in the Supreme Court with several cases this year. you're, You're a hero, Philip Hamburger. Well, you're very generous. Great to be on your show. Thank you. It's a pleasure indeed. Please see his video at PragerU.com. This is the Male Female Hour because it is Wednesday and because it is the second hour of the Dennis Prager Show. It's very honest talk about men and women. I don't know of more honest talk. In the American media, there might be. I salute them if they exist. So you've heard the phrase, happy wife, happy life. I'd like to analyze it this hour. And I'd also like to analyze my response, which took me years to come up with, since nothing rhymes with husband. So wife has a lot of words that rhyme with it in the English language, but how about this? Unhappy wife, a lot of strife. That would be an example, right? That would be the converse of happy wife, happy life. No, we have my response is not happy house. Rational spouse, happy house. That is my response. Under normal circumstances, we would send Sean to the punishment room, but these are not normal circumstances. So let's talk about both of them, but I want to concentrate first on happy wife, happy life. So is the only reason we don't have happy husband, happy life, is the only reason because... There is nothing that rhymes with husband. If if husband had a name that rhymed 
with life. Instead of husband, we had hyph. So we had hyph and wife, let's say. Would we have happy hyph, happy life? I don't think so. I think there is something specific to the statement, happy wife, happy life. And to be honest, which is the point of everything, honesty is everything, it's not a compliment to women, the statement, happy wife, happy life. The underlying assumption is that a lot of women, a lot of wives, are not all that happy, and that that creates an unhappy home, an unhappy marriage. By the way, an unhappy husband can do the same. But for whatever reason, people tend, both sexes tend, to associate women with moodiness more than they do men. In my experience, by the way, when I eat, when I meet couples, which is a lot, which is often, I will on occasion, more than occasion, I will often say, so which one of you is the moody one? Nobody gets offended. It's not an offensive question. And it, my theory, as I'm sure many of you have heard already, is that overwhelmingly the moody and the non-moody marry. On occasion, two non-movie, non-movies, <laughs> two non-moodies marry, but I have never encountered two moodies marrying. And I have my punchline, the moody may be miserable, but they're not stupid. They never marry one of their own. So moodies don't marry moodies. Moodies marry non-moodies. Are women moodier than men? That's the assumption of happy wife, happy life. Which is why I said that the, the actual phrase itself is somewhat Um, not a put-down, but what would be the the word that is not as insulting as put-down? A negative assessment of women. (laughs) That's that's the implication there. Yeah, if you would just not be moody, there would be a happy life for me or husband. That's what happy wife, happy life really implies. That's what it's about. What do you think? Why, why has the phrase only developed with regard to wives and not husbands? Why isn't it happy husband, happy marriage? Happy husband, happy life. Why happy wife, happy life? It can't be because it rhymes. Rhyme, if, if, it, if there were no word that rhymed with a married woman which is the word we have for wife. There was no word. They would still have that phrase. Happy married woman, happy life. 1-8 Prager 776 So there are a lot of questions here. First, am I right that there is sort of a, a an acknowledgement in that phrase 
that women tend to be less happy, or at least married women, to which, of course, a lot of anti-marriage people would say, you bet married women are unhappy, but it's not true. The Every survey that I have seen, doesn't mean every survey made, uh, says that both men and women are happier who are married. And now, there are a lot of unhappily married people. They get divorced. I've been divorced. I understand that. There's no holier than thou on this program. Uh, nevertheless, uh, there is no happiness like a good marriage. I don't even mean great marriage. A good marriage. Great marriage is obviously remarkable. To have a, a, a this a companion in your life, in the vicissitudes of life, it's a big deal. But the phrase does imply that women are the moodier type. That's what it implies. I would like to know, I don't have the answer actually, I try to have answers, which sex, if you had a moody index, which sex is moodier? Are there more unhappy women or more unhappy men? It's an interesting, uh, an interesting question. Men commit suicide far more than women do, but women attempt suicide far more than men do which implies that women's attempts are usually a a cry for for help more than an actual desire to die. When men kill themselves, when men want to kill themselves, they kill themselves. That that is the the implication of, of that statistic. So I don't know. Also are what percentage of the men who commit suicide are married? Isn't that an interesting question? I never thought to ask that. Did you know that close to 90% of pharmaceuticals in the U.S. are produced outside of the U.S.? So what happens when the next global crisis strikes? Countries clamp down on exports, they stockpile, the prices of drugs rise, and the pharmaceutical shelves in America are empty. That's where the Wellness Company can help. The Wellness Company's medical emergency kit holds eight life-saving medications that every American should keep in his or her home. If you have Tylenol, you should have this kit. The kit contains antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics like amoxicillin, ivermectin, z and more. It also includes a 22-page guidebook with instructions on safe usage. From benign tick bites to extreme bioterror events, every scenario is covered. Head to twc.health Prager and grab your medical emergency kit. That's twc.health slash Prager. Code Prager to save 10% at checkout. This is the emergency kit that you want to have on hand. Be safe, be prepared, and stay well. Kits are only available in the USA. Yeah, I put my lockers in the air sometimes. Say you spin the dreidel. Just want to celebrate for all eight nights. Happy wife, happy life. That's the subject of this male-female hour. And 
I'm trying to analyze it because when you think about it, it does tend to suggest that a lot of women are moody and slash often unhappy. It also suggests that what a man really wants is a happy wife. I have actually posed the question to men, if would you be willing to have, H-A-L-V-E, cut in half the frequency of sex in your marriage for a constantly happy wife? And everyone said yes. So it's actually a... A loaded comment. That's the good word for it. Loaded. Happy wife, happy life. All right. Let's see here. Katie in San Diego, California. Hello, Katie. Hi, Dennis. I love your show. I listen to it whenever I can. Thank you. Um, And I love this. This is my favorite, one of my favorite special hours. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I... was telling your um, call screener, I didn't take it that way at all. I kind of took it as a man passing on wisdom to another man, like father-in-law-to-be, telling a son-in-law, happy life, happy wife, you know, like, don't don't be petty, you know, like, we're going to have plenty of disagreements as it is along the way. You know, I, I once heard a, um, a friend's dad tell his son-in-law to be, and this is a long time ago, he said, you see the tip of this color, this paint on my brush here, son? He said, it doesn't matter what color it is. Whatever my wife picks, it's great. Like, like, don't, don't, you know. Right, okay, so why why is there, okay, so if that's, if it's what you're saying, then why doesn't it hold equally true for the husband? Why isn't whatever color he picks wonderful? you know what he's saying is, uh, does it matter? Uh, you know, if this is not, it might matter to you, maybe just spend more time. Right, I agree with that approach, but I think it yeah. should be true for both sexes, and I'm not a Mr. Egalitarian. I just, I don't know why we have it, well, I do, I think I do know why, but that that's my subject for this hour. Well, well, ma- well in the traditional are, realm. I'm sorry? Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go. Oh, I was just. I was just thinking. I was just thinking that that was wisdom in a traditional role, you know, with your wife. And lots of times, when a man does make his wife happy, and I don't mean those moody, horrible. I see a lot of millennial women, and I just think they're a whole different breed of animal. You know, I don't get them. I raise boys, so. Uh, but I do see that when you do make a woman happy, uh, you know, then guess what? That golf game that she was going to pout about. Suddenly, sure, honey, go ahead. You know, so life is one big trade-off. You don't have to be Siamese twins, but we both want the kitchen. And honestly, not all men, but most men. Do you really care about what your house is painted? If it makes your wife happy and she spends the majority, now this is becoming ancient, but more women used to stay home. So they spent more hours awake in the house. It's more important to them than you coming home towards the end of the day, you know, do you really hate that turquoise kitchen? Probably not, you know. Um, uh, I agree, thinking, I agree 100% with you, and for whatever it is worth, I have lived that way. 
My wife wants the kitchen painted this. She wants the cabinetry this. She wants the the material this. Honey, if it makes you happy, and I mean it in no condescending way, then I, I am... Oh, I am thrilled to bring you that happiness. I mean, so, but there are corresponding ways of her making him happy. And we don't have a phrase for that. That's the point that I'm making. Of course I agree, happy wife, happy life. And of course I agree that in any way that seems feasible, you should try to make your wife happy. My question is, why is there no corresponding phrase for husbands, and it can't be the lack of a rhyming word? The concept is too important. I mean, why why didn't we simply come up with happy spouse, happy house? If it isn't female-specific, we should have had happy spouse, happy house, which is pretty true statement. You want both spouses happy to make a happy house. Well, that's that's my question here. Okay, let's see. Jennifer in Los Angeles, California. Hello. Hi. I don't think it's about moodiness. Um, I wrote some things down here. Many women care more about what needs to be done to run a household and family and raising children and aesthetics than many men. Women nest, men hunt and procreate. Um, A comedian maybe in the 80s, Rita Rudner, said men are bears with furniture. These are all generalizations. Um, Men desire sex and food, probably in that order. If the husband doesn't participate in a fair amount, the wife is going to be mad and hurt and she's not going to want to have sex wait i didn't quite get the first part if she won't have a a, a lot of sex if what um if the woman if the wife by the way i don't think it's about rhyming either if the wife um feels that her husband is not participating as much as she is or as much as she thinks he should in taking care of the house, taking care of the kids, taking care of household business. Um, she's going to be hurt, disappointed, and angry. And she's not going to want to, she's not going to feel uh, close to husband. Mm-hmm. Let she's me ask you a question about that. I, I, I'm very curious to get your response. Let us say he did not participate as much in the house and the kids as she would like, but he earned a a really serious income which allowed them to lead a materially secure and and even fun life in many ways. Do you still think she'd feel that way? Yes. So okay. you you believe? Uh, believe me, I uh, none of this comes from an agenda. I admit when I have yeah. agendas. I'm, so yeah. you feel that between a substantial income and participation in uh, in in the house, 
I assume that means doing dishes, diapering babies. I assume that that's what it means. Yes, and right. So you think between the two, between the two, women would vote for the participation? That's fascinating. It's a great question for a uh, a male female hour. City sidewalks, busy sidewalks, dressed in holiday style. In the air, there's a feeling of Christmas. Children laughing, people passing, meeting smile after smile. And on every street corner. Hi, everybody. Dennis Prager here. What year is this from? Is this a 50s song? It's Christmas time. I'm sorry. It's recorded in the 50s. Might be older. There was a burst of, of music in America for Christmas that is a unique chapter in, in world musical history. Oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's very hard to explain. The latest on the, on the world of the lie that the left has created, a transgender man who identifies as a woman took home first place in women's single speed racing at the 2023 USA Cycling Cyclocross National Championships. Despite competing as a man, this is from Breitbart, despite competing as a man, incidentally, my mentioning that it's from Breitbart reminds me to tell you that this is a classic example of a story that almost no even liberal, let alone leftist relative of yours, knows. We know what they know, but they don't know what we know. They don't know this. That a guy became one, got into first place in women, in the women's cycling championship this year. When did this just happen? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. This is Tuesday. This is not Tuesday. December twelfth. Yeah, so it was Tuesday. A transgender man who identifies as a woman took home first place. Despite competing as a man in men's races earlier this year, Kylie Small, formerly Kyle, isn't that cute? Why bother even with a new name? I could just, just change, just add a letter. And I was allowed to compete as a woman in subsequent cycling competitions. You understand? In the same year as he competed as what he is a man, the USA, what is the name of the USA division? What is this? this USA Cycling. USA Cycling allowed him to compete as a woman. In the exact same year he competed as a man. If it doesn't make you angry, what does? You can't you can't laugh this stuff off. This is really damaging. Really destructive. 
He had been competing in the male division as late as April. This is December. That means within, let's see, within eight months, he was allowed to compete as the other sex. Uh, let's see, how did he do as a man? He came in 44th last season. <laughs> he came in 44th. Now he came in first as a woman. Listen, I, frankly, I hope that women's sports is deluged with men who say they're women so that there is the uproar that should have taken place years ago. Some, some, a handful of people, a handful of women are objecting because feminist groups have almost all sided with the men because, as I said 40 years ago, feminist groups are not interested in protecting women. They are just leftist groups that use women. I also said they were more animated by anger at men than love of women. I said both. The fastest female in the race was Jennifer Malik. Is she the one who defended him? There was a girl who just defended uh, the trans, even though it knocked her out of first place, who was awarded second place. The results of the race led the International Council on Women's Sports to condemn USA Cycling for continuing to allow males into the women's category. After the championship, Small was interviewed on his success in women's cycling for by Evie Edwards, a representative of the International Council on Women's Sports. Now, they, they have a link there. Do we? Can we hear that? That would be pressure. That would be precious. Let's see, icons, that's it, that's the international group on women's sports, let's see. Kylie Small, male, just rode away with the women's gold medal in the 2023 National Cyclocross Championship in Louisville. He knocked Jennifer Malik off the top podium spot. Icons, Evie Edwards, a participant in another race, caught up with Small and a non-binary identifying activist at the race to get their reactions. USA Cycling has been committed to prioritizing the preferences of male cyclists over the accomplishments and well-being of its female riders. It's time to take a stand. So let's see, we, ha- we have here a one-minute a one statement by... You want to put that... Uh, you want to... Should I show it to you? A one-minute interv- statement interview by him, by him, by, by him yeah. yeah okay. So let, let's put that up. I, I haven't heard it, so we'll all hear it. Up, so, so, Sean, do you have it? No, he doesn't have it. But, um, so when you say it's already up, it's, it's already up at DennisPrager.com. You can all hear it already. You can hear it before Sean does. Wow. Yeah, well, USA Cycling, you see... Much of leftism constitutes the following. There is far more fear of the left than fear of the right. 
Fear is animating in the human condition. That's why it's important to fear God and it's important to fear your mother and father. The only two beings you're told to fear in the Bible are God and your parents. Because uh, if you don't fear them, you will fear the New York Times. Get it? Because we're animated in large measure by fears, so you have to fear the right thing to do the right thing. This past June, USA Cycling announced that trans athletes will be divided into two categories in 2024, A and B. The former, that is A, tell me if you understand this. I'm saying this to you, my producer, who has a fine mind, to me, Dennis, who has a fine mind, and to my listeners who have fine minds. Tell me if you understand this. Okay. So USA Cycling announced trans athletes will be divided into two categories in 2024, A and B. Category A will require athletes to have their testosterone test below 2.5, whatever it is, for at least two years. By the way, you know how stupid that is? The only difference between male and female bodies in, in for sports purposes is testosterone, not muscle mass, bone mass, size. That's not relevant. While the latter, category B, this is the part. Maybe I missed it. I read it too fast. Maybe. We'll find out. Category B would only require a gender self-identification form to compete against females domestically. Well, then what's the point of, of, of type A? If you can compete against males just by self-identifying as female... Then, then what's the issue? Is that okay? You're as puzzled as I. The revision of our transgender participation policy was a complex process, guided by several factors. Foremost was the direction of our board of directors who asked us to prioritize the balance between fairness and inclusion, said the USA Cycling CEO. It gets worse. The word salad gets so deep that if you sank into it, it would have a quicksand effect on you. We return. On the way is the bluebird here to stay is yes. a new bird he sings a love song I love him, I love him as we go along walking in Louis Armstrong when Louis Armstrong was singing there was definitely oh, more racism in the United States of America there were Jim Crow laws But without in any way diminishing how wrong that was, 
just like every person is a package, every every society is a package. And, and so you have to weigh it, it, its various aspects. But when Louis Armstrong was singing, neither he nor anyone of any color would have thought you were anything but literally insane if you would have said men who think they're women or say they're women should be allowed to compete against women in women's sports. So so what we have here, the, this story is, is mind-boggling. I was just trying to like push gaps after dismounts this is the, and stuff. This is the cyclist uh, I won first place in the women's competition. Go ahead. I was just trying to like push gaps after dismounts and stuff. Uh, I kind of just, I, as we were racing, I was starting to figure out like, oh, I've, I have like really clean dismounts this race. Like I finally got it down on all the sections. So I was just trying to like make it super clean and just give like little wrenches right after. Awesome. Trying to extend that gap. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, who did you feel was like your biggest competition today? I really thought Sunny um, was gonna give me a run, but um, once I saw that she, I don't know where she is. She got a but, puppy, and so she's retired. Yeah. That's well. That's that's good also. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of just went into the field pretty blind. One of my coaches was just like, "Hey, you should try out single speed," and I was like, "You sure?" Yeah. And then as I, it was, it just clattered around in my brain and I was like, I should race single speed. That sounded so much fun. Yeah. So I did. Awesome. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Oh my God. It's painful. The interviewer is more painful than him. A few months ago, he was racing as a man and came in 44th. Cowardice is a definite, definite, uh, definitely big factor in human conduct. Who is going to say to him, you know, you came in 44th earlier this year as a man. Why do you think it's fair for you to race as a woman? That would be a good question. W- wouldn't that be a good question? I, and it, 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 it's not even an unfair it's not a, you know, it's not an, it, it's, it implies an attack, but it's not, it's not an unfair question. When Sean tried to do this a couple of years ago, enter, enter women's uh, cycling, you and I spoke to him and, and it worked to his great credit. And do you know why he, what, the final argument that persuaded him not to do it? He'd have to shave his beard. Because even though there are bearded men who say they're women, they're in the minority. The revision of our transgender participation policy was a complex process guided by several factors. Oh, I read that. We have to prioritize the balance between fairness and inclusion. Well, you can't. I'm sorry, you can't. Our work encompassed the study 
of the UCI, USA Cycling, I guess, most recent review of the latest scientific literature, an assessment of the U.S. legal environment and similar policies from other sports organizations, and outreach to our athletes' club and team managers and event organizers. As U.S. law and scientific findings evolve, we will use this as an opportunity to do further review and revision of this policy as needed. The CEO added, whew, that was an achievement to come up with that sentence. As science evolves, oh, wait a minute, would you apply that to carbon emissions and the likelihood of an existential threat arising from existential threat? Or does science not evolve? What is the term that they always use now? Uh, for, a, you know, it's, it's, it's established science, but they don't use established. There is a term that they use now that science has given its final conclusion on global warming, etc. Settled. That's it. Settled. Settled science. Settled science. There's no such thing. There's only, there was settled science with regard to laws like, you know, the law of gravity. That is settled science. There is very little settled science otherwise. But we're, we're expected to believe this settled science on, on, that, on that issue and ruin the economies of the world as a result. GWU faculty ignore Hamas atrocities, defend attack on Israel, the right of resistance. This is the New York Post. George Washington University's medical school hosted a faculty panel last week. Why would a medical school anyway have a panel on this? That declared Hamas terrorists have a right of resistance, unquote, against Israel. According to video footage exclusively obtained by the New York Post, The December 4th discussion was titled Understanding the Conflict in Israel and Palestine and was sponsored by the School of Medicine and Health Sciences Anti-Racism Coalition. Wow. Let me get that right. Wait. The School of Medicine and Health Science? I'm I'm sorry. That's the name of their medical school? It's been changed? To the School of Medicine and Health Sciences? What was wrong with medical school? It's not inclusive. They have an anti-racism coalition. Everything's been poisoned. Everything. George Washington University Medical School has a seminar on Israeli aggression and Hamas defense. It's quite remarkable. 
At least one GWU panelist affirmed the Jewish state's right to self-defense, New York Post. But several went on to characterize the IDF, Israel Defense Forces' actions, as part of a larger colonial project to ultimately eliminate the civilian population of Gaza. Yep, that's right. That's what they do. That's what they say. Israel launched an unprecedented carpet bombing campaign in the Strip that for the past eight weeks we now know has deliberately targeted and continues to deliberately target high-rise residential buildings, bakeries, schools, universities, and U.N. shelters. Shira Robinson said, who was Robinson, a professor there? I would imagine this is something that only can come from an intellectual. It's, uh, yeah, a professor of history and international affairs. Okay, I don't know what's greater, her moral ignorance or her factual ignorance. Anyway, that's what's happening at a medical school. The medical schools have really lost their purpose. There is, it is not possible, I, I repeat, I want to be on record as saying this, it is not possible that the next generation of doctors will be as good as the previous generations of American doctors. It is not possible. So much time is spent on ideology over medicine. Ideology is more important than medicine. Affirmative action will guarantee that not the best qualified medical students become medical students or students become medical students because they have lowered the standards, not because of anything inherently problematic in non-whites. But as soon as you say we have to have a certain number of women, a certain number of Hispanics, a certain number of blacks, you will not have the same quality. Plus, if this is the way they are taught, you cannot have the same quality. They will prioritize ideology over medicine. There is no way, no way that I can think of in which we are handing over to the next generation a better America than we found it. Well, we don't have Jim Crow laws. Okay. Anyway, the we then has to be those of us old enough to have lived while there are still such laws. Most Americans, I suspect, are not. Well... This is, uh, this is what the universities have become and now the medical schools. I don't know, do you know of a profession that you are confident there will be better individuals, more competent individuals than in the past? Can you name one? I can. DEI administrators, they're getting it better and better, right? Diversity, equity, inclusion staff. Oh, my God, watching your society crumble. (laughs) It's an issue. Yes, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, one of my favorite cities. Anthony, hello. Well, you ruined it, but 
I know what you said. Zdrazvoitia uh, to you. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, you know what? Settled science. Listening to Dennis Prager nine hours a week will increase your knowledge base. That's very sweet of you. I happen to agree <laughs> with you. Yeah. Hey, on the on the uh, cycling issue, a friend of mine was a professional cycler, and I asked him, I said, what's up with these girls? Why do they go up to the podium? And he said, they don't want to, but if they don't stand on the podium, um, they will lose their sponsorships and they won't be able to cycle, which means they're between a rock and a hard place. And I just, I just don't understand why they aren't taking a bigger stand, just like the girls at 10. Well, there was a girl, believe it or not, in the cycling competition, I think the only one up there, there were two, there were two men who said they're women who took first and second place. She said, this is a beautiful thing to have trans women there because they are women. I don't think most of them think that way, but this one did. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv and on local now, channel 525.